Hey, this is Brian Koppelman. We are rerunning this interview with Taryn Killam as part of SNL Week on Grantland. Thanks for listening. And now, The Moment with Brian Koppelman. Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. Taryn Killam is going to be here soon. Uh, I'm so psyched to talk to him. From the first time I noticed him on SNL, uh, I just thought he was hilarious and attacked the characters uh, that he played with real heart. Uh, you could see that the joy and the fun that that he has uh, on SNL, and it's super infectious and also, uh, to me, hilariously funny. Uh, Taron um, has, I think, made himself now, you know, one of the two or three uh, most valuable players on the show, and I'm really interested to talk to him about, you know, how that's happened and uh, about what he sees for himself uh, in the next few years. Uh, he'll be here soon, and we'll get the conversation started. Thanks for listening. Hey, Taryn, how are you? I'm wonderful, Brian. How are you? Great. Thanks for being here. Are you guys shooting this week? We are, yeah. we're. This is the uh, the first of our final three of the season. So we've got Andrew Garfield this week, Charlize Theron, Theron, Theron? Yeah, Theron. And then, uh, and then uh, An- Andrew Seinberg? Sly- <laughs> Andrew? Yeah. I don't oh, know. that guy on the cop show. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, I think, what's that? What is that? Bar- he's Rizzoli, I think. He played Barney Miller. Right, exactly plays- right. Exactly. Yeah, and I guess Chelsea Peretti <laughs> plays Fish. Yeah, yeah. Is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's Fish, and, um,. I think that's all the characters I can yeah. name on Barney Miller. Yeah, uh, you beat me well, already. Well, I'm uh, older than you by enough that I saw Barney Miller when it was sure. really on. Yeah, yeah. I know Reggie Miller? D- different. Different thing. Okay. Um, and that You had to mention that name. I don't know if you know I'm a giant Nick fan, and that name still... I know, I know. It still spikes <laughs> me in the heart. It's a horrible name to hear just in the middle of my day, dude. It's not... Well, we've started on the right foot, then. We have. So, um, I, in, this show is called The Moment, and I... I like to start by talking about sort of a seminal moment in somebody's life when things are going to go one way or another. And um, and and to me, you've had a couple. Like anyone on SNL, obviously, getting SNL is a huge thing. Yeah. But I want to just talk for a second about, and we'll go back to your 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 whole life. But I, I want to ask you about the, the 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 tweet you made about the gap. <laughs> yeah. Good. Because I... We're tackling the important stuff here. Well, good. Because good, good, good. It, it felt to me... Yeah. Significant, like, right? Well, I figured it must have taken like you... Just just petulant, just white people problems, just a little baby. No, but here's what I thought. Uh, can I... Do you want me to go into detail? Because it was the most frustrating thing. This is what I knew. I knew that for you to actually tweet that, Ugh. they had to drive you so crazy. Because I know you're such a... Everyone says kind person and you're out there doing good, <laughs> making people, bringing people joy. You can sure. go through your whole Twitter thing. There's like nothing snarky. Right, right. And then there's not even a joke, just a uh, full frontal assault in the gap. Yeah, just hate him. Just, what happened? Um, I have uh, a niece who just turned one year old and sent a bunch of gifts and, and purchased, you know, a, 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 a large quantity of clothing from the gap, from uh, Baby Gap. Your niece didn't, you did. I did. Yes. I did for her birthday uh-huh. to send to her uh, Being a, a, good uncle. a large a large order and and in time for the present to get there like the present would have been punctual uh, you know for me to for me to find the moment in my schedule to be like you know what i want to do that now so that i'm ahead of the game like i'm a procrastinator uh, you know to the nth degree so i really accomplished something by doing that, Brian, this was a huge, and it was, and each was gift wrapped, like uh, expedited shipping, spared no expense. I, I John Hammond this gift for my niece, and uh, and I get a call from you know like an Indiana number, or some you know, and and it's a, a long message that just says you know please call me back. We can't verify. Uh, the shipping address, the shipping information, and clear the payment. We need you to call back. And I go, Ugh. 
I know what this is going to take. It's going to take me calling the hotline. It's going to take me pressing two, pressing two, saying operator, saying operator. But I suck it up and I go, you know what? This is an important moment. I really want these gifts delivered on time and and it to be a special thing. I get on the phone. It's exactly what I think. I'm sitting there. I actually, when I made the call, I was in the car with Keenan because we were coming back from a shoot that was like 45 minutes away. And I said, Keenan, I'm so sorry for this annoying call I'm about to make. And Keenan's the best. You knew it was going to take the whole car I knew that it was, if, at least. It's like Andrew Shepard trying to order flowers in American President. (laughs) Oh, my, exactly right. I just, and you know that. It's like when you know, you know you have to call Comcast and cancel your cable or change something. You know it's going to take a while. But I suck it up and and I, I go through, and, and it's that it's that comical thing where you press four different options, you finally get a human being, you say, hi, here's here's my uh, phone number, here's my credit card number, do you have the tracking number? I, I'm sorry I don't, but here's all the information that they asked for uh, on the phone. They go, great, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Yes, I see. Okay, I'll transfer you over to shipping. I'm like, well, no, but, okay, pull me up. Hi, can you give me all your information so I can pull up the order? And... <laughs> Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'll do it again. Literally, it happened to with four different people. They transferred. They make me you three go through the whole thing. Times they make me go through the whole thing. That's just that's just the setup. That's how it is. This is still not at the point where I'm losing my mind or get angry. I finally talked to the right person. Yes. Okay. I see here. I see. Okay. Um, this is so terrible, Brian. <laughs> no. I, I already am like I already hate myself just, no, just hearing me we talk are, about no, it. No, you don't understand. We all go through this. Our Ugh. fantasy is that guys like you don't have to. But it's uh, yeah, all right. Well, it, it, it's still so obnoxious because like the problem ended up being that the phone number attached to the shipping address didn't match. And I said, oh, well, I gave you my personal phone number because it's going to a resident and it's going to my sister who's in my personal life. The shipping address, that's my accountant because I have all my bills sent there because I'm, I'm in New York. I'm in L.A. I travel. They don't. She's like, ah, absolutely. I totally understand. I just need you to call your bank, have them change the phone number. And I said, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. This is a huge order. I've been on the phone for 40 minutes now. I, I'm. I verified that it's me. You're talking to me. I will give you information to verify it's me. I'm saying it's okay to ship it. I'm saying clear the credit card. There is no other website online that I order things from that requires this amount of information. There just is not. And and she's like, well, if you don't do that, I can't sh- send the shipment. I said, great, cancel the order. Thanks. Bye. Ugh. Immediately took out my phone. Twitter. Immediately went to Twitter. And showed them. You did show them. Because, <laughs> you know what, this this will not, as Lebowski says, Ugh. I mean, this will not stand, It will not stand, man. No, yeah. It, um, and I, yeah, so, I had Amazon. You never said manager? Amazon. You never said manager? Give me a manager? I'm not good at that. I'm not, because I, here, here's the thing. As angry and as frustrated as I am with the situation, I'm always aware that the person I'm talking to sure. doesn't you know, need me to be angry at them or me, need me to complain. I don't need to make their life harder. They're just, they're doing their job. They have a protocol. They're doing it. It's not them I'm angry at. It's the system for The Gap, which is one of the biggest clothing chains in the world Yeah, that requires specificity of bank numbers on your shipping account or a phone. It was just... I'd had enough. Yeah, it's maddening, and I don't think you sound uh, like a privileged uh, person. I mean, other than <laughs> I, it's a first I mean, world, and yeah, you yeah, get yeah. to call someone, you get to order so something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which... But but we've all tried to get them the cable fixed, like you said, yes. Comcast, and we've yeah, all yeah. wrestled with the sort of uh, monolithic. You know, we've all felt mm-hmm. like we're in the movie Brazil. Yeah. No. I mean, well, here's the thing. I, I mean, on a daily basis, by the way, <laughs> I feel like I'm in any Terry Gilliam movie. Um, no, but. Uh, what what does drive me crazy is that there's no there is no recourse right there's no if your cable goes out and the, this is so whiny and stupid but first world problems if you've recorded a show and you're excited and you've scheduled your day around it and you have this like little like you know respite at the end of the day where you're like I'm going to relax and I've so been looking forward to it and it doesn't record and not only doesn't record but your entire channel is now in Spanish and you know it's not on your end and then and the cable signal goes out or whatever they don't send you 5 bucks to make it you know what I mean but you are late on one payment to them they charge you 25 you're exactly right but what's interesting is that 
you seem angry at yourself for not having a Buddha-like calm throughout this stuff. <laughs> I did because it's not Why? important. It's not because it's this is dumb stuff. But but it is. I mean, as you kind of hinted at, it's this little, you know, sort of trivial, unnecessary, all very materialistic, superficial crap that I get angry at. I, I really get angry at few things, but video games and and just. Uh, procedures not working out. I don't know why. How, how do you crazy. take it out on the video games? Brian, um, in my more formidable years, I would probably, without a doubt, have spent about $1,000 on game controllers oh, playing really? Halo. Playing you Halo. whip them across the room? I just, I just chuck them. I, couldn't, I could not handle... That's because you kids didn't it's get awful. outside and play. It's awful. I, you're so right. You're so right. No. I mean, you could have just checked. I'm a horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a horrible person. Uh, And you know what it was about Halo? It's that thing of like, if you set up an expectation, if I hit Y and I'm and I'm and I'm watching and I shoot trigger and I see me hit the guy and it hits his head and he doesn't go down and then he kills me and I hear some 13 year old racist call me, you know, some derogatory name. I'm so frustrated because I I did everything on my end. I shot the guy, I jumped at the right time, and you're still telling me I died. Oh, you That's, want there to be a just world. I want it to be even. I want everything to be even and work work out for me. That's oh, oh you poor guy. <laughs> it's rough. Enough. And, and clearly, if you just check my stats, nothing works out for me. Uh, your, your Halo stats? No, no, my Halo and... stats are really good. I don't, oh, okay. <laughs> don't want to. Yeah, I don't really, want to. I, I, like I said, I bought a new controller so I could keep playing. <laughs> I don't want to paint you with that brush. Um, that uh, the Halo stats yeah. aren't good. But then, how did you deal with just jumping around? A the second? gap what? and no, two no, things. So yes. no, I was going to go back to um, if you want things to be fair and just. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it felt like for you when you were on Mad TV and it wasn't fair <laughs> and just. You know what? That um, it, it, I didn't know what it was. That's that's what that was. I I f- like just freakishly fell into that. I As was a young 19, man, nineteen years old. I was nineteen. I was auditioning for pilots. Like I, I was an actor first and funny second. As a kid, you were an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like little chunks throughout my childhood. Um, and at the time, it's so funny. Keenan, Keenan, and I have uh, orbited each other for a long time. But Mad TV called my manager, who represented Keenan. We had the same manager at the time. Pardon me. Um, and said we'd like to audition Keenan for Mad TV. Is he interested? And at the time, I think Keenan was taking break a break because he just finished something. Or, but anyway, he passed. And they said, check out this other kid we have who's pretty funny. And, you know, part of what I always did was, like, impressions even of people I knew. So if I was in the management office, I could do an impression of, you know, the boss and would make people laugh. So they knew I had that in me. And I and I just went in. I did. I did like seven impressions of famous people, and then like quote unquote original characters, which were three impressions of family members and teachers. Um, and it kind of just snowballed out of control. And I and I, I I booked it, and just with so unprepared. Having no, had you watched the show a lot? Uh, yo, absolutely. I just the just the opportunity to audition for it was huge. Um, and exciting and kind of like, yeah, oh my gosh, I've always loved sketch and Mad TV and SNL. I love that, but there's no way that I, I you know, I, I'm an actor. I, I go out for WB pilots. And um, and then when you got it, I, lo- I lost my mind. I, I, it was it was so exciting. So you didn't, so when, because what happened was you, you got on the show and then mm-hmm. you didn't get a lot of sketch action on no. the air. I, I mean, I didn't even get a lot of episodes the deal that you're hired for is just four episodes in the first half of of like the the first nine episodes they hired myself uh catherine fiore and uh bobby lee and and each of us got four episodes so like i would do two and then i'd overlap one with bobby and one with catherine and then bobby would do his four you know it worked out and then for the back nine they picked all three of us up. And so we ended up doing 13 out of the season, out of that first season. And um, I literally, I don't think I've ever learned more faster in my life. Just being around it exactly. and doing it was uh, a great experience yes. for you. Yeah. And you got, uh, what do you think, how did you change during that time period as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old yeah. person who's now, because you started working... Um, 
How old were you? I mean, like, uh, my first professional audition was like five years old for commercials and stuff. And I would say like from five to seven, I did some stuff. Or, and and I don't even think I, I booked at that time and then took a big break and then started again at 11 or 12, then another four or five year break and then got back into it senior year of high school. I've always wondered what the conversation with parents is, is when, mm-hmm. when a kid like you has such a strong was it you? Was it pushed by you? Pushed by them? It was. It was have, an opportunity f- presented to me. My parents were uh, close enough to the industry to know the steps to take, and it was an opportunity presented to me and my two younger siblings because they thought, "Oh, these are cute kids," and 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 maybe, but never forced. Always our choice. And the second we said we didn't want to go, we just we would not go. And that's that's really like that's that's an important aspect of sort of performer child parent guardian of that dynamic because having done some stuff on Nickelodeon and being around a lot of kids basic cable shows you see the right and wrong way and and just that element of the kid is the kid decides is so huge the second it's the parent deciding it's it's a disaster so they looked at you and they felt like oh he could book commercials because he's cute i could go into the room and be like hi i like milkshakes you know like were you charming i mean you was that part of uh, sort of how you were built i wasn't shy yeah i was always like what's that what are you doing you know and just speaking my mind there was nothing um there uh, there was nothing guarded about me from a very young age and did you immediately like Performing, like what? How did, did something like um, switch in you? Yes, yeah. That that big, the biggest moment for me. I'm, I'm a big fanboy, comics, uh, all you know, uh, uh, superheroes. That's all my wheelhouse. I mean, I, Voltron, Ninja Turtles, He Man. That's that's what shaped me. That and Con- that and Monty Python and SNL has kind of created me. Um, so at, at five, auditioning was kind of like it just felt like an exciting thing like you had to have your pictures taken and you had to go into a room with adults and there was kind of pressure but it was kind of exciting and I had no awareness of like I didn't I didn't worry that I would fail that didn't matter to me I was always like well I already don't have a job but the possibility to get one is kind of a fun idea but I was not I had no concept of like I'm going to be a star, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be on TV until I saw Batman, until I saw Michael Keaton's Batman. And seeing that movie, <clears throat> which was one of the first movies I saw in a movie theater, I was like 7, six and a half, seven years old, blew my mind. Blew my mind. Like that's that's Batman. It was the first time cuz I don't think I'd seen Superman at that point. So it was the first time I saw Batman, my toys real. Right. I saw my toys real. And it's like, that's what I want. That's all I want. I want to be my toy, but real. And seeing Michael Keaton and and also the humor and the the adventure and the excitement and worrying, like, is he going to make it? Then I was like, okay, I can't really be Batman. But if I play pretend, maybe I'll get the opportunity to make it seem real. So it was a conscious thought on your part. I can be yeah. part of, like, you know, Tim Burton creates that. I can be part of these worlds. Exactly. And I want to be that guy. I want to wear some kind of costume. Yeah. And so then did you go to your parents and say, I really want to try to do this more? Um, I think I think at that point it was kind of happening. And and I do remember there was like a summer program that my mom put me into. We lived in the South Bay at the time, like Manhattan, Hermosa Beach. And uh, there was like a playwriting, like three, four week summer course that I did. And I, and I got to write a Batman play and i was very young like i said i was six or seven but you got to like write wow. they, they you would talk to a teacher and they would write out the thing and you'd put up a play and um i got like one of those batman activity books and the back page was like a joker mask you could cut out so i cast my friend as the joker and i played batman and uh <laughs> the moment i the moment i remember the most is there was like another girl in the class one of the older girls um watching the show and my mom told me this after the fact she said um the girl said, is he wearing your black tights to my mom? Is he wearing your tights? And I f- absolutely was. And my mom covered for me. She said, no, no, I think he bought those at a, at a costume store. But I'm like wearing my mom's black tights. I'm just loving and it. And a paper. And I'm just, and I'm Batman. And it's like a two-page scene, but you put it up. Um, and that was really fun. But very shortly thereafter, my family moved to Big Bear. Uh, where I did most of my growing up, and so and that's further away, further away from here. So we still attempted. really far from here, but far from LA. Oh, like, in, like 
incredibly here, it's far very from far, hard, it's to, so far. hard to tread the boards of Broadway from Big Bear. What a drive. But, um, yeah, far from L.A., you're saying, yeah. far from where the action was. And we even tried a little bit. Like, there'd be, like, uh, like uh, a week once every other month where we'd go down and do commercials and stuff. But I, I got tired of that drive really fast. I'm sure my parents did, but, too. But it's interesting that you talk about being a fanboy and wanting to sort of wear the costume and the yeah. love you had for it. Yes. Because one of the things that I noticed right away with you on SNL it, it, it is that it seems like you have this like um love for these characters that you <laughs> that you play like not just that you're having a good time but it seems like you find your way really into like what's magical in in their hearts yeah I, that, that, that is that is the key word for me is is the magic of it which is uh like i've never i appreciate more and more you know the drama of performing and and delving into the human spirit and and you know what drives us in psychoanalysis, uh, but I'm I've always been about the the escapism, about the magic of it. What is not real becoming real, right? And 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 it is, and it's it, there's something magical about that, and there's something like I always tend to write or create more from what if, like what if. As opposed to how, which seems to be more the, the the question you ask when kind of approaching a dramatic piece of like, how did this happen? How did this person become this? How? And trying to figure it out. I think that's why I like comedy because I've, I've never been good at analyzing things. I kind of I kind of get real frustrated and give up. You were from a place of wonder. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wow. What if? Oh, my God. What if suddenly this whole French cafe just started dancing this, this <laughs> right. ludicrous song? You know what I mean? And like and then a mime came out and, the, you know, I just like that like what like the like you said the what if the what if the wonder or yeah. the the because it's absurdist in in a in a sense yeah um but there's uh like you know and that the first thing that i saw you in that really blew my mind was that japan pop thing yeah right right right, right. which we talked about the one other time yeah. that we met um and in other hand, hands that thing could have been like oh um, uh, really offended a lot of people <laughs> right, right 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 yeah totally what was it? What is it about um, people who are kind of are situ already absurd that makes you want to get inside and wear the suit and really like blow it up even further? Yeah, I, um, that is that's like a fascination and 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 sort of wonder of a culture that so informed me. Like, I mean, I mean, there's a weird exchange, culture exchange with Japan and America, where it feels like we'll borrow things from Japan, try to try to make them our own. It'd be you know, like Star Wars is you know the hidden hidden fortress, or oh. Seven Samurai turns to Magnificent Seven, and then and then Japan borrows it back, like cowboy stuff, and then. You know, it's neon green hats and the boots have like jewels on the, you know what I mean? And they heighten it and then we borrow it back again. Like the same thing with like, you know, we have a Batman and then they take it and they heighten it and they make it a robo Batman and then we buy that back, you know. Um, and so, so much of what I loved was, was involved in that process, be it Voltron or Thundercats or Robotech. Um, and there just is that, there's also, I, I don't know why, I mean, I went to UCLA, so that's part of it, but just, J-pop, uh, Hello Kitty, Pokemon, right. all that anime is so it's so frenetic and it's so up all the time, you know. And, I mean? and yet, but the viewer just gets this sense that um, that you love it, yeah. That you yeah, wish yeah, you could yeah. actually just disappear into that for totally. some time. Yeah, I mean, I think if you get down and down into it, these are two, you know, the characters Vanessa and I play two people who were not content with just who they were, <laughs> you know what I mean, and found that that escape in this sort of bright, colorful, happy, nothing's well, wrong. Yeah, know? because they're not Japanese. I mean, right. they're not Japanese. <laughs> exactly. And, they... and that's how you get away with it, too. That's that's more just like an SNL technical device of, like, having a Jason-like, Jason character go, nope. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's yeah. not okay. Him, take, him taking you to task for it in, yeah. in place of the audience taking exactly. you to task for it. Exactly. No, but that construct, and we talk about uh, saying that, and you just said it offhanded, that... Uh, your life, you look at life like in a Terry uh, Gilliam, Gilliam movie, yeah. which which interesting is though, um, if you think about Python and early SNL, those things were fueled, it seems to me, by a kind of a, a rage. No, sure, sure. There, I think for sure there's anger. I mean, comedy is almost entirely anger based. 
Um, but do you think this generation of of Saturday Night Live lives in that 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 place um, in the same way that it, that that it did? No, I think I think it's definitely different in dynamic for many reasons, just different people, different circumstances. But I think I think the overwhelming difference is the first era were shaping, were deciding what it was, and every cast member who's on the show right now was born after the show started. So the the show debuted in seventy five, yeah, and I think Keenan or maybe Bobby is is the oldest was born in seventy six, something like that. So everyone who who is on the show now was born You're into a world or where off SNL of... existed, and there's a body of work, and there are books that have been written, and there are documentaries and interviews and exposés, and I know that. Almost entirely, almost the entire cast are fans and students of the show, right? So there's just that self-awareness that couldn't have been the, the the further back you go. And with each new generation, there's so much more to be compared to. There are so many sketches, so many themes, so many topics that have already been covered that um, there's the challenge of being new and being fresh, but there's also the benefit of hopefully learning from mistakes and learning from successes. Yeah, it seems like it seems like that um, that that where it used to be subversive mm-hmm. for a really long time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and now it, it seems like you guys and I. I think the show is so alive now and so great, oh, and um, it, and it's almost like it's been pushed not just by you but by into this. Um, almost an absurdist place it's almost subversive against pop culture but not subversive against the establishment in the way it used to be right it's an it's an interesting thing i I was just talking about this um with brian tucker one of our writers one of our uh head writers now um you're also like with that pop culture stuff you're always at the mercy of what's happening and i've found that this year you know there's been a lot of talk that this is a transitional year all these, you know, home run hitters like Kristen, Andy, Bill, Jason, Fred are gone. Um, yeah, but you, Kate, Vanessa, they're oh, still... thanks. Yeah, and, and we have time to have our body of work. And I feel like Bobby, who's killing it. Bobby is the best. And Keenan, Keenan who's, who's a master, is um, absolutely a master. Agree. Um, but you're saying, what do you mean? There's this. I just want to interpret say one. Thing. Sure. You say there's this talk that it's a transition year. Do you you read stuff? Like, what, what does that mean? Yes, I, I started out reading everything. I started out, I would check every, you know, because it's one of the few shows that has that has a report card the next day. You know what I mean? And not just one, but there are several report cards. And I, I had, because it's such chaos and nobody is looking out for you, they just aren't. They're like, yes, we like you, you're hired, now prove that you deserve the job. Now figure it out. And, and you just never know where you stand. My my instinct was to just like i have to find out what the world is thinking because i can't i don't know how i'm doing i have an idea of what i think i'm doing but that can't be the the actual truth and 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 that and that is real that's a reality that there but there is more than one truth there's the truth of how you feel about the work you're doing and what you think you deserve and what you think you've earned and and what should be happening for you there's the truth of what the show needs and what the show feels it deserves and what and and that pretty much is Lorne, but it really is all of us coming together. And then there's the truth of what the audience feels and needs and wants and thinks of the show. And they're and they are not all the same, you know? But when you say the audience, are you talking yeah. about the critics? Or are you talking about Twitter? Like what's the what does sure. that mean? Sure. It, it is the three hundred people in the studio when we record. It's the you know, four to six million people watching at home. It's the people on the internet. It is the critics. It's yeah, I find that the but, critics of SNL are not it's not an assignment for them they take it on you know what i mean there's such ownership of this show yes. and that's that's what this institution is is lauren has often said that it's a lot like a sports team and he's right you know there is ownership there's a new roster players are coming out how their stats doing oh he had a good season but uh you know he fell out he hasn't been making me laugh as much this season you know it, it is very <laughs> do, you, do you think it's healthy to look at this like do you really think it's good for you as a performer well, maybe it is i want to understand totally understand yeah it. no i i definitely stepped back because at some point also once you get job security which i i feel i have certainly a lot more now than my first season you go 
okay, I don't need this validation as much. I, can, I don't need to freak out. I'm more comfortable. And, and I would say this year, uh, this is my fourth year, it was like a, it was so vastly different from the first three years, like a switch where I went from writing out of desperation and strategy and what will get on and what, what, what can I do that other people can and what I need to be seen to what would make me laugh this week? You know, what would be fun to do this what week? What a great place to work from. Really, and, and I'm just starting to figure that out and, and it's a different muscle, but um, is is more enjoyable for sure. But at some point, I had to pull out of reading the online stuff, and because it is subjective, it's just it just comedy more than anything else. And and these sketches, which you have, I mean, right now, seventeen cast members and almost as many writers, you know, you're, you're dealing with thirty four to thirty six creative voices, none of which are the exact same, vying for eight produced sketches so yeah. you're nobody's gonna like everything all the time and nobody not one person is going to like all of your stuff all the time so so now i'm able to kind of i i also have a better perspective and better frame of reference you know what i mean it's the difference of your first year you're in 20 to 22 shows and you maybe you know i think i got on maybe like seven or eight sketches throughout the season and that that body and that portfolio just builds over time and you're able to compare it to your own work and be like, I know this didn't play as well for me. And, and that can kind of become your compass. Well, yeah, you get to have your own true north then. Yes. Based on your um, internal exactly. sense of it. Yeah. But we were, when I uh, stopped you to ask you that question, you were talking about, um, I said it was, there was sort of this absurd tone. You said, I know that there are um, people who think this is a transitional year. Yes. It, but, but and it seemed like you were, were, were <clears throat> what I what I was gonna get at there is just um in terms of in terms of the pop culture in terms of the yeah. being in the national zeitgeist you know we're so at the mercy of what's happening in the world you just are you know what I mean like Tina as as Sarah Palin was so funny but the Sarah Palin came first you know um, same with George W Bush this is just a character that this is what people were talking about yeah but your character Jeb Jebediah yeah that's not so that's like um uh, on the in the lineage of the Julia Childs thing or totally. you, not even because oh, he's a made up character right right yeah no I, that's been so fun and that was a gift this year I mean that that's like a that's sort of a badge of trust of like, hey, Taryn, try this character. You know, literally on Saturday, Seth texted me and said, we have this update character for you to try. Um, that stuff, I do think that that stuff, the, the original characters are the lifeblood of SNL. You know what I mean? That's what people remember over time. There are there are moments of a Gerald Ford, of um, a Sarah Palin, George, you know, there are these moments, historical moments but what gets put on the best of DVD and what gets rewatched and what gets re-aired on VH1, which is really how, truthfully, like I, I say this knowing that it's a fact, that's how people form their ideas about different generations of SNL. You cannot base how a generation of SNL is doing as it's happening. You just can't. It's all in reflection. It all lives in reflection. Well, sure, because for a long time people felt like the years that Lauren wasn't involved right. were weren't off i mean i know i don't want right. to get you fired by saying there was anything <laughs> there's no. anything good in those years no I, I i there was i mean my first relationship with the show was eddie murphy's best of vhs which i watched over and over and over again right, which is what i mean that frames this thing that you're saying which yeah. is right so to you you watching that see those seasons piscopo i know eddie, buckwheat you know buckwheat right. sings i know mr robinson's neighborhood i know you know little richard uh can, little... can you ever mention any of those things in the halls at 30 rock I do. I, I, yeah, I do. I think I think Lorne uh, feels confident enough in his accomplishments. You I don't do, think he's, think he's. I don't think he feels he threatened the by the Ebersol era anymore. You know. Yeah, he basically he owns has a monopoly the of late night yeah. building that we're in. Ex yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and and you know, and I think especially you know, next year's the 40th anniversary, which is amazing. And there'll be this special on in February of next year, where you know, I hope Eddie Murphy shows up just because I, you know. He 
he did. He he shaped my sensibilities. You know what I mean? And I, and I, and like I'm Gumby. You know what right, I mean? Like what is <laughs> he's Gumby who talks like you know like a like a an old, Brooklyn yeah. comic. You know, smoking cigars. Know, like and, an old Jewish. Yeah, guy. exactly. I'm Gumby. I'm Gumby. Damn, damn it! it. Yeah. Get out of my head. You know, it just like that's that is absurd. And that's what I love. And Conan has said this, and I'm a big Conan O'Brien fan. Yeah. Conan has said that he feels comedy should mean nothing. Comedy should be silly and and. I, I, you where, know, I where do you land on that? I, I veer that way. I, I definitely have great appreciation for smart comedy with a voice and a purpose, which I feel like, you know, to generalize, you know, there's there's shades of gray and everything, but that's that Harvard sort of mentality. And even stand-up, you know, with stand-up, you have to have an opinion about things and there's got to be a point of view. Why I like the silly... What it, I, My favorite laugh is, What?! That's my favorite kind of laugh that makes me go, what is happening? Because in that, who's the victim? You know what I mean? Who's being made fun of? Nothing, because this ha- I haven't seen this before, so I don't know who this is trying to slam, you know? Well, that all, I mean, that's in your work. You, if, that, if that's what you're trying to do, I mean, that is, that is what you do. And it seems, but and it seems like maybe the edge is when you do a character like the Jebediah character. Yeah, yeah, Jebediah yeah. or Jebediah? Jebediah, Oh, that's yeah. right, all right, Jebediah. Yeah. You are also, and this is something, a staple of SNL, I think, which is um, pomposity and pretentiousness is like the one crime that just will not stand. Totally. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that guy just because, you know, the jokes are pointed at people, but to me, what's funny about it is that he's so wrong. You know, that's how the sketch came up, is that this, the one reviewer that review gave the Gettysburg Address, the most beloved oh. American speech of all time, gave it a negative review. The guy was so wrong. that It no longer is subjective. Like, nobody. Your opinion is wrong. And that's who he is. He takes these beloved things, these, like, you know, iconic... And from a place of certainty. And just knows what's wrong with it. Is just disgusted by it. And that's what's the fun of it, is that, you know, he's not tearing... He's tearing down unterrored terrible things. Sure, and he's every critic. I mean, he, right? I mean, sure, he stands yeah, in yeah. for every critic who's ever... Right, exactly. Knows better. What, uh, speaking of, like, sort of critics and reacting to this stuff and reading it, what did you learn watching your wife be a part of this enormous cultural phenomenon? Of the the Himyum or the the Marvel stuff? No, the How, how, how I, I Met, Met Your Mother. I mean, this thing that's just, um, mm-hmm. you know, a cornerstone of people's, like, being a- around that and around this last couple of years yeah did did you did you take anything from it or are you just there as like a supportive person i'm saying for you yeah it, uh, it's really interesting just because being the spouse on a job like that you know, they were very good to me i got to do six episodes over yeah. the run and it was so lovely but what that show is to me more than a tv show is our family for nine years you know our, our close friends and family it's yeah. it's personal um and you know, and 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 as the show, I was never able to watch it just as a fan. I always watched sure. my friends performing and the quality of the writing and knowing the writers by name and knowing Pam as a director and what an incredible woman she is. Um, I, I just I am fully biased. I, I can't be objective about it. What's nice about that run? I mean, Kobe and I's first date was the night after they did the the pilot table read. They did the the table read for the very, very, very first episode, and that night, Kobe and I went on our first date. Wow. So it's... You've been there for the whole... The you whole guys run, took this whole yeah. ride yeah, together. Yeah, literally became, like, at least in just, like, you know, from a calendar point of view, like, the structure of our life. We knew that she would start in, you know, August and end in March-ish, um, and it's been a part of our lives for nine years. And what's nice about the show... And, I, you know, just this is just my point of view and, and speaking for my wife and and kind of she does not seek out fame. She also, like myself, wants to do really fun, good work. She wants she loves the process. We love doing it. Yeah. We do not seek out the attention uh, and, and the accolades necessarily. I mean, I say that now after having said I go online and, and but that's just more of like like job standing. You're Where having to bathe in them. Oh, my God. I'll, yeah, I'll drink it up. But I'm not going to like get up to, to, right. to I'm not going to pour myself a glass. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Yeah, no, but so she's she's just kind of more of a, a private person, I'll say. And um, the show, I would say, first was on the shoulders of like Neil and then Allison and Jason because these are people that had pre-existing television careers. And the show is always successful enough, seemingly. You know what I mean? It was not a, a ratings bonanza. Yeah. It was always just good. And, and for the first three or four years, kind of on the bubble every summer, will we or won't we? And then Britney Spears was on the show. And that just kind of changed things for it. It became, oh, that's but a thing. Did you, yeah. got, did you get caught up? I, I would think you would, I guess, in terms of reacting to, in terms of being reactive to feedback, mm-hmm. as that did... For, so for, I, for you, did it when the show was either celebrated or hit? Yeah, did yeah, it, yeah. And then it kept going, and it was able to kind of just be what it was. Mm-hmm. I would think that that would help you sort of be strong in the face of whatever you feel like is worrying you about what you do. Yeah, I mean, the truth about my wife is she's just who she is as a person is more valuable to me than any job or role that she'll ever play that yeah. the, her generosity and, and and spirit and ability to think of others constantly uh will outweigh anything she would accomplish professionally ever you know what i mean if she if she became a hobo yeah. uh it would still be such an honor to be her partner um what was great about would you that? Go, you'd go move into the street with her. I would do it. I'd get, my, I'd, I'd get my own bindle and I'd ride those boxcars <laughs> with her. Rip um, them. Would you get like a bag of wine? No, I'm I'm not a wine guy, so it'd probably be like box drinks. Just, I really stopped developing at about tw- twelve years of age, so it'd be almost entirely if I could find old squeezits. I don't think they're produced <laughs> anymore. But if I could fill my bindle with squeezits, <laughs> I'd be the be happiest hobo you've ever life. seen. <laughs> No, right. I get it. And no, I have a um, I have a fourteen year old daughter, and she's. I there are always eight. Uh, How I Met Your Mother's on the DVR at all oh, times. Awesome. It's been like the you know thing that put or like, you know secretly puts her to bed at night when yeah. I think she's already yeah. asleep. So um, it's fascinating to me that you guys have done this and you were on opposite coasts and yeah. somehow thri- both thriving. Yeah, and I think that's just about who we are and and just sort of uh, you know from a pretty early early stage in our relationship just knew like oh i don't want to be without this person so you know is it it's hard to be away absolutely it's awful it's awful to be away it's awful to be on a plane four times a month you know um you know just eventually like for for four years that that weighs on you a little bit but but boo-hoo, you know what I mean? No, it's, it's like I get it. my dream job and she's And the working. dream girl and the whole thing. Totally. I mean, and, and she... That's what Himium was for us more than anything is like our family had a... She had a regular gig as an actor on a primetime sitcom, a steady paycheck for nine years that, on a show that didn't really have to alter our lifestyle. You know what I mean? We We have a very modest house and we live in Los Angeles, but... We have this nice security that this job presented for us. Like that's the of nuts course. and bolts of it. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it's and the the fan the the show is just such a great sweet show. And the people who are very loyal and watch that show are like you know she'll get like a hey sorry to bother you I love the show you know that's the kind of that's that's the fan interaction like it's a really where you'll get some guy screaming at you <laughs> I'll some get... joke that you said yeah you or get some... that you get hey da-da, you know yeah. Or, yeah 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 um next um oh, but yeah. but that's all right I that's that's great too that's that's its own different thing different sort of chaotic fun energy that that SNL breeds and encourages but uh Himium was just right it was just the right amount of success all the way along to just be this wonderful huge important chapter in our lives and so it, right even though the last two years became like this huge cultural thing you're yes. saying the fact that it was slightly under the radar before that yeah made it made it when it when it happened like an okay made thing. it the most i mean there's a job. certain parallel for you and what's happening in snl which is obviously you've now really moved to be one of the people at the forefront of the show right and you're saying in the beginning you got on seven sketches the first year. I mean, it, you know, just in talking to you, you can kind of see on paper that there's there was nothing there's nothing been nothing overnight about my career. You know what I mean? Like great steps forward, great steps up, huge opportunity, but I was never Jennifer Lawrence. You know what I mean? We're like overnight everybody's talking about me, and, I, and I'm still nowhere near that. But it's always just kind of been this nice gradual evolution. Well, and and well when you did the dance, that kind of blew it up. Which the, the with Keenan the video. 
The uh, Robin? The Robin thing? No, or? the one where you're doing the dance, the weird shuffle. What do you call it? Oh, that? Mokiki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, Mokiki, oh, yeah, yeah. but went, cr- I mean, uh, everywhere you turned for two weeks, oh, someone thanks. was sending you that yeah, video. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you did it, did you have a sense that that was going to pop? No, that's that's another one uh, that... That's just that, you know, because what is, what is that? It's nothing. Well, yeah, that's it's, that absurd it's thing. It's that absurd. So, yeah, exactly. It's, um, there's a song called King of the Bongo that that is sort of, you know, matching. It's matching its energy and sort of rhythm and tempo that always makes me laugh. And that's a, that's sort of like a weird move. That It's that unexplainable thing. Like, why is this making me laugh? And that's my favorite stuff. Um, and we had new directors at the time, Matt and Oz, who are now our one of three pre-taped directors that we have on the show and and we were kind of buddies before they got the show and so i pitched them i was like it's this thing where he's just kind of a weirdo he's just a weird he's not like a homeless guy but he's definitely doesn't have his act together he's kind of like this government i just love his confidence and, yeah 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 yeah. he's just it's it's in him i mean he thinks it's happening right <laughs> He's like, why is everybody not joining me? Right. Um, he has. Well, he's he's also diseased. It's it is a contagious dance. Yeah. Move. Yeah. Um, it's sweeping the nation, but in from a very viral sense. <laughs> yes. What uh, I want to talk about your how you write. Okay. I know that you were on Kevin Pollack's show and you talked about a week in the life of SNL. So I don't want to like sure. do that for the people who are listening to nine hours of podcasts yeah, 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 a week. Yeah. But what is your process as a, as a writer? Like, when you're taking those plane trips back and forth, are mm-hmm. you thinking of ideas? Are you, like, watching stuff? Like, how do you nurture the creative impulse, and then how do you chase it down? It's it's never the same. It's never the same w- way. Uh, but I do kind of have... You need to have guidelines. Otherwise, you, I think you can just kind of float off into space and never accomplish anything. So... I think of the host first. You know, that's the first priority. Who's our host? What energy do they inspire in me? What do they make me think of? What would I like to see them do? So you're not thinking of it. You're you're not thinking of it two weeks before necessarily, like um, performing a character. You 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 see the host, and that's when the the, the idea yeah, starts. Yeah, I always start from from the host. That that can come. Like there are characters, like. Um, Anna Kendrick, I did this uh, Big Joe character who couldn't oh, lift yeah. her right. Yeah. That was um, something I'd worked on with John Solomon and, and Zach Cannon a year ago, I think. And I was kind of like, oh, you know what? She's so teeny. I'm so big. This kind of works. So, But it always does. It always is about the host because they're our guest. And, and more often than not, this is not somebody who's you know, comfortable doing live comedy, um, live variety show comedy. And so you want them to feel taken care of. You want them to be excited because there's no better way to have your sketch picked than to have the host be like, I love doing that. And there's no faster way to get it cut than to have the host be like, no way, Jose. Right. So in other words, that's a strat. It's actually like a strategy. Yeah. Yeah, it is that you just kind of build into your muscle memory. Did, so you said that you started thinking strategically primarily mm-hmm. at first. Yes. Well, how did you think to do that? Um, did someone tell you? Like, no, hey, kid. I, think, I think that probably, hmm. No, I think there's just something sort of logical about that of you see, you know, you, you see very quickly where things will overlap of like, you know, you're you're never going to um, out digital short Andy. You're never going to out alpha Jason. You're never going to out idiosyncratic Fred, you know, so. No. At the, no, you just are not. No, not, um, even, not even you. And you can go no, really far oh God. in the idiosyncratic. One of the biggest joys is that, uh, that was and will always be was sitting across the table from Fred Armisen at, for three years at, at every table read. Uh, he might be the funniest person in the world. I think he may. I think he is. Like really he might actually have the brass yes. ring. I mean, you're one of the funniest people in the no, world. No, Fred no, Armisen no. might be the funniest human. He's a gift. Yeah, he, he's just he's and and yeah. Just amazing. Just a joy to be around, too, which is nice. You know, not a tormented, really, you know what I mean? Very jovial, nice, intelligent uh, fan. He's also a fan, which is one of my Would favorite qualities of, of people. Is he one of your favorite, like, SNL, like, oh, in terms God, of just yeah. um, objectively looking at SNL figures? Yes. In terms of, of creativity and, and, and the quality of work put out and, and um, the uniqueness, you know, absolutely. Other than when you were on uh, Seth's show, have you watched it at all? Uh, late, night? late night? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, those, those bits. Can you believe does? the thing that they're doing? It's fantastic. And that... it's, well, yeah, because that's what, that's what every writing night in the hallway with Fred is. That he just goes like that? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Like, if you were stuck on a skit, would you go to him and say... I remember... Yeah. I remember my introduction to Fred, 
like he came into Paul, Britton, and I's office, our little office. We were right across the hall from him. He's like, hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Uh, welcome. So excited to have you on the show. It's, it's going to be great. Um, this is a fridge. This is called a fridge. It's really great. Um, you want to put a lot of milk in here, okay, because that, that, that's sort of the thing. People are like, it's like riding night and people are running around with milk, milk, milk. So maybe, you know, I would stock that up. Um, you know, and just and just like if there's something you don't like, throw it. Throw it away. Just throw it out the window. That's great. Just throw it away. Uh, <laughs> that's how he welcomes you to this. Yeah, right it. away. Just bit, 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 bit. He got, guys, guys, I just got hired to do all the voices of The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, you would do that. That's he would what you do at the table. And, and we'd that. be like, wow, really? And Bill would be like, hey, yeah, oh, let's hear your Homer. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm oh. the new Simpsons guy. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I think the thing that they're doing where I don't know if people know that, like, every night Seth um, asks a question to Fred about what he's been doing in his life, and Fred. Um, has no idea what the question's going to be, and he yeah. just makes it up, and it's really it's high, amazing. high level. It's amazing. So uh, you were saying your writing process. So you'll look at the host. Yes. Yeah, so, so the host. That's the first thing. Um, and then what do you do? And and then I and then so so then I'll like I'm not great at writing stuff down. I try to, and there's definitely things that have been lost because I haven't written them down. Um, but I but I I think of that. I think of what then I would want to do with the host, how I would fit into that dynamic. I mean, a, a very bad example, sort of like, you know, example sheet form is and Andrew Garfield. He's Spider-Man. People are going to write him as Spider-Man. What's the opposite of Spider-Man? And what's the opposite of that that I would want to do with that kind of character? And what could that be? And who do you and, spitball with? Uh, I've been pretty good at mixing it up at times to my detriment because... I have no strong loyalty. You don't have like a regular have... partner with it's, whom you write. It's starting now in that uh, my friend from college, Mikey Day, just got hired this year as a writer. Great. Me and Nassim were, were able to kind of whisper his name to enough people, and so he's hired. So he's now, I do always have him to go to, but I still like, you know, what other job are you ever going to have the opportunity to create with a James Anderson and then also a Rob Klein and just these incredible, strong, confident, brilliant voices that are that are that don't overlap really, you know, <laughs> that are completely different. Um, so I I don't I just don't want to look back and be like ah, I should have tried more with such and such. Like I have that awareness now. So now you're going and really trying. To I do. I try. Interact. I try to mix it up and I try to. But at the same time, everybody else does have their loyalties. So there are nights where I kind of uh, end up being the odd man out, which is fine. Well, they write I, for you anyway. I, this year in particular, I I've been well taken care of, and I have the ability to write for myself. Right. So then you uh, you get written for th this year finally. Yeah. But uh, when you have an idea, so you said you you don't write it down always. So you're just like, going through the halls trying to find someone to bounce it off of. Well, like the next thing is like who would I want to write with, and and that'll inform. Would it be a scene part? Would it be another cast member potentially? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I um. Yeah. I, I write very well with Vanessa and Bobby, um, just because like starting out those were the people I I just gravitated towards, but. I like I like to work with as many different people as possible. Um, the thing is, is you're trying to jump onto a moving train, you know, because yeah. they've got they, everybody's looking out for themselves. Everybody's got their focus of what they want to do that week. Um, so you just try to plant seeds as far enough in advance, and and hopefully it works. What's works the out. best part of it that we don't like? We all think it's the greatest job on earth. Yeah, yeah. What's it, the part of it we don't even know that's so cool? Like for you, what's the coolest, most fun part of? Uh, being in this cast and doing this thing. Oh man, oh man, it 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 literally is the best job in the world. <laughs> it's it like just flat out. It just is. It's incredibly hard. It's incredibly um, crazy, driving chaotic. Uh, brings out the worst in people, but also brings out the best. And the worst um, in people who are hosting, or just everybody at every time. Everybody, you get cranky, you get tired, you get insecure. Uh, nobody likes me. Uh, you know why? Why is that person succeeding? You know, and and hopefully you you How have do you enough. stay above that? Sometimes you just have to g lean into it and just be like, I'm <laughs> pissed. I'm pissed, and just that's not around. fair. And I'm cranky at that person, and I'm being petulant, and I know it. And I'm gonna allow myself this afternoon to just be a baby. And then take a breath and realize there are bigger things. So knowing that about yourself mm -hmm. now, you're able to kind of manage your state. In yeah, a way yeah, by I think being so. aware of it and doing it kind of privately or yeah. Um, and do you think being a, you know very few child actors like you were on 
Amanda Bynes' show. Right, right, yeah. And obviously you two have had different paths of uh, career-wise and, and sanity. Sure, sure. <laughs> Wise. Not to, yeah. you know, I feel bad that she's gone through challenging yeah. times. What do you think, though, enabled you to come through that? Were your parents particularly sane? Do you think it was the fact that you were forced to leave? Like, what do you think you, what do you think happened that, that enabled you to be okay? Yeah. I'm, Stable, married, father. Like, what do you think it was that I, made that I happen? I certainly credit my family, like my parents and, and, and brothers and sisters, you know, being one of five and, you know, um, uh, the Amanda stuff, like when I knew her over a decade ago, could not meet a more charming, sharp, lovely, bubbly individual. And and so who knows? Extraordinarily talented person. And, and young and very famous. And who knows what the surrounding, you know... Um, so you think it was a gift that it took you time? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. But you got to do it and work at it. A hundred percent. Any actor who's been in it and been trying and and has struggled. Anybody who's had to struggle for a long period can't help but appreciate it. I remember, like, you know, I get to meet Tom Hanks backstage, like, my first or second season. It, it was the most surreal moment. I, like, my best friends in the world were visiting. It was like, we now we do, like, an annual, like, guy trip. They come out, and then we have the weekend oh, to great. just kind of see Manhattan, see New York. But the first time they came out, we're walking backstage, and we bump into Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. Which is just it's, so heavy. It's literally like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, you know, like just the most fantastical, you know, chance encounter. And they run in and and they like begin to compliment me, and you know, like I I feel weird like putting that out there, but no, I also no, got to they, they compliment. It's they the compliment moment. Me. It's incredible. Yeah. And like I'm with my buddies, and Spielberg goes like, "Wow, man, you're really hitting on the show. You really have been coming along in in a short way." while and i'm i can't believe that and i'm like thank you so much thank you because they've got to know they've got to know i think with what little modicum of of notoriety that i have they've got to know that they interact with people who are very aware of who they are and who are incredibly t- intimidated they know the effect they have on exactly people, for sure and so yeah, very nice steam is very nice and the first thing that tom hanks says is like oh yeah well you know, yeah, you're doing cute, good kid, but could you hang in, you know, the 82-83 pilot season? You know, hitting the boards, driving around the valley, four auditions a day. And it's, it sticks with him, you know what I mean? Like, he, it was a bit, and it was really funny, but... Yeah, but he like, remembers like, who he was. He remembers who he was. He, he earned it, you know what I mean? He remembers that Well, part. he remembers getting bosom buddies. Exactly. He remembers, like, he remembers what he didn't get before bosom buddies. And that, and that, and it just... If you work, if you work consistently in this business, I... Having been auditioning steadily since 17 years old, know how lucky I am. I'm so, so lucky. Well, so people will kill me if I don't, just a couple more questions, but sure. people will kill me if I don't ask. And I'm really curious, what was the audition? Like, how did you get, mm-hmm. how did you, how did it happen for you? What were you doing right before? And then, how, you know, take us through it. And what, what, how many auditions did you have? Like, what um, Yeah. So, so it, it took, again, it's that gradual thing. It wasn't immediate. Um, I was doing Sunday Company at the Groundlings in Los Angeles, yeah. and we're doing a show, and then I come out for the second... I come back to the green room in the second act, and written on this like dry erase board is, by the way, Lauren Michaels is in the audience tonight. And I, and I laugh because the black the dry erase board in a comedy theater is you know yeah oh the, you didn't believe the, it the the ground zero for bits and jokes and stuff and I went ha ha and they're like no no he was here and just I've never seen backstage so quiet well, during it's like a show Guffman showing like off. exactly exactly right hey, what does it mean Corky um, yeah. and everybody is like what did he see what did he think why was he here they're looking what does that mean what does this mean um. And so, like, there was about a week, week and a half of, like, people calling managers and, have you heard anything? What did he think of the show? Who did he like? What's going to happen? And I and I think at the time, I feel uh, pretty confident that he came to see Nassim. Right. That, uh, Who got think, the show. Yeah. And Tina Fey um, had recommended her. And, and, and so they came to check Nassim out. And then what ended up happening is they flew Nassim, myself, and two others from the Sunday Company out to audition. And that was just the best. It was just a party. And oh, you mean the the, the just, trip was the best? I, because at that point, it's like, you know, you do groundlings and you you put yourself in that situation just for the like smallest chance that this might happen, and it does. Now it's funny that you would admit that, right? Because like people, so you, it's interesting. I don't know if it's a generational thing, but 
you know, many people who do what you, what you do in, in show business, right? They never cop to the ambition piece. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. They yeah. just just for the show. Right. Right. They right. just want to make people laugh. <laughs> sure. Right. Sure. They just want to. But you like own the ambition part of it. Yeah, because I because I've because I've earned it. You know what I mean? I never I never I never want to seem unaware. I, I don't want to seem uh, I always want to seem self-aware in that like I'm aware of my shortcomings but I'm also aware of my achievements and I'm and I'm coming to terms with that and being on this show has really struggled because it is my instinct to be like no 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 I'm not worthy I'm not good enough don't no 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 thank you but at a certain point um, it's okay to be like you know what I've done a f- good thing I've accomplished an amazing thing and not letting that affect you and not letting you not getting to a place where I deserve more or I, you know, but being able to look back and say, good job, Taryn, that that's been a big um, that's been something I've worked on in these four years of being on the show. No, it's a huge separator from the way a lot of or, and maybe it's because you don't identify as a comedian. Yeah, but it's that you'll own the fact. No, no, no I, I think I'm talented. And yeah. if I work really hard. Yes, I, I can get somewhere. with Yes. Yeah. And because, you don't apologize for it. No, because good. I know. How I just know how lucky I am. I know I know how hard I did work, and I know I'm very aware. I I don't deserve this, but I've earned this. That's a great way to say it. You know. Yeah. So you. That's a great way to say it. And it would be the last thing of this if we didn't. Though I want to know about the actual audition because it's a great. And sure. people just in your mind do the edit and throw that yeah, yeah. line at the end. <laughs> I'll I'll repeat it after this. But um, so you. What was your audition? You get here and what was the audition like? So the audition. So they fly us out and and they say basically five minutes. Don't go. Don't do ten. You know they kind of say keep it keep it within five. But you know you probably can get to seven if it's funny stuff. Hopefully, um, and they say three characters three impressions. Did and, you have to bring all stuff that wasn't on Mad TV? Oh, yeah. And, you had to bring and, all new stuff. And had stuff. Well, and that's the other thing is like I went from Mad TV back to Groundlings because right. of the people I worked with at Mad TV though that I respected the most had come from Groundlings. So I said, I love this format. This is fun. And that's actually the first moment where I was like, maybe I, maybe SNL could be a thing. Before right. it was always like, what's the? I hope I get on a series. I hope I can be in movies. And then it became like, well, no, maybe, maybe I have the ability. Maybe. Not like I can do it, but, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try give it a so shot. So you're supposed to come in with what three? Three and three. I know that impressions will be my strength because I just have that strength. Um, and and uh, you know I've never been like I've never been a monologist like as a character. I don't do like I didn't like writing monologues and just the word of it. I like energy and I like movement and I like that for in terms of original characters. So I did two original and I think like eight or nine impressions. And I could tell it went good. They what say, were a couple of the impressions? I did. I did Brad Pitt. I knew that would be a good one. Wow, yeah. I did. It's on the show. Uh, I did Fallon interviewing Tom Hanks. I did Paul Giamatti having phone sex with Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget. Um, oh, is, is this on YouTube anywhere? It might, it might be. I feel like I've I, talked I, about I it. I haven't been able something. to find it. Yeah, but yeah, I gotta yeah. find it. No, but as the actual. Um, oh in, no, not the audition. No, 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 no. Because well. It, just because I know the clock's ticking down, did the audition and I could tell it went well and got some laughs. And at the end of the audition, I walk off the stage and Lauren stands up and is like, thank you for coming. Uh, huge. And I'm like, great. Wow. No matter what, they can't take it away from me. No matter That's what. great, man. A uh, week later, they call. They liked you. They want to fly you back out five new minutes. They're flying you in a week. I'm like, wait, but wait, that's all my A material. They're just going to get everything I cut out of that audition. And also it goes from I'm getting a shot to I have a real shot and oh, yeah. got so in my head and got so serious. And, it be, and, and the joy and excitement was gone because now it was like a challenge. You know what I mean? Now it's like, you, you know, this is it. Um, and I th- and I so I did a second audition, which had good stuff in it, but I I know wasn't as loose, wasn't as fun. I, I just know that, and just wasn't as tight as the, pre- the first. Yeah, the, the pressure, the whole thing. Totally. So what we ended up hearing, Nassim got it that year, and we heard um, it's no, but it's not never, and he's on our radar, and that was nice to hear. But absolutely How had to take it with it a grain of salt. Did it hurt badly? Um, n- not. No, not terribly, because it wasn't dead, because it wasn't dead, and Nassim got hired, and Jillian Bell, who was one of the other four, got hired as a writer, Writer, and I loved both of those girls, and it was so exciting, and there was something in my head that said... it made it attainable, in a way. It's so attainable. Like, all right, I'm in it, I'm in it, you know what? And and still had enough of the residual, 
I get it. I did it. I got my shot. I was on that stage, and Lauren shook my hand. And then how'd you get That's it? That's it. A year later, I go back to Sunday Company. I perform for a year. I get I get voted into the main company. Um, Kobe comes to New York to do a New York play for six weeks. We're here. I fly back to L.A. I start my first main show. And about two weeks into the main show, we could just get the call out of the blue that they want to fly you back to audition again this year for a third time. And I'd had a year at this point to kind of create material and think about what I would do if I went back and went back with a third audition. And, and yeah, and third time was a charm. How'd you find out? Uh, I audition. I fly home to Los Angeles. I get a call. They're flying you back out to meet with Lorne. There's that whole thing where you show up on the 17th floor and you sit around and you kind of do like, you know, a round robin sort of uh, sit with Seth and Higgins and now sit with Talon and meet Tom, the head of wardrobe, and let everybody kind of sniff your butt and see if, you know, you're a crazy person. And then sit down with Lorne and and had our conversation and, um, you know, sort of a vague kind of, you know, your audition was good, you know, all of your auditions were good, but this one was precise and that's what this show needs and uh, you know this is what it takes to be on the show and do you have any questions for me and no and I just I remember walking out he goes this will be over soon and I go thank you so much <laughs> and I'm like why the f- did I say that why did I say thank you no it can go on as long as you want right. whatever uh, you want Lord what, I don't know why I like well it's got on long just five, you know now it's four, just five years later or four years later and... yeah 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 no and 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 yeah no it's it's still going and and so I go home all the other people meeting with Lorna from Chicago so I don't have anybody there I know um I'd met one of the girls, Jed, who was so nice. She's like, you should come hang out with us. I was like, I'd love to. But I didn't have her last name. And I called the front desk and said, Is, what's Jet's room number? And they wouldn't give it to me. And I didn't get a number. So I, I so I just said, you know, I'll, I'll just have a night by myself. I go down to the village. I go to um, Max Brenner, Chocolate by the Bald Man. Yeah. Have a chocolate-based dinner. Go across the street to the movie theater. See the first Expendables movie. And walk from 13th and University back up to Midtown to like 52nd and, and, and 5th or 6th. Uh, get to my room. It's like 1.15 a.m. I have a I have to I have a 7 a.m. flight the next morning. And uh, my phone rings and it's a New York number. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. I start shaking a little bit and I answer and uh, hello. Hey, Taryn. Hey, it's Seth Myers. Hey, man. What's going on? Hey, yeah. Uh, not, nothing much. Uh uh, here you got a, an early flight in the morning. Huh. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, I got a cars picking me up at 5.30 or something like that. And he's like, all right, well, uh, we just thought it would make your flight a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, and on behalf of uh, Lauren Michaels, I'd like to offer you a job on SNL. And and just lose it. And just like, I think I said, oh, I think I said like five times in a way. And like had a nice exchange with Seth. Immediately called Kobe. She, you know, left a voice message. Lindsay shook us. One of the producers had a talent calls and says congratulations. Call my mom, my friends, my family. You know, call everybody. Um, yeah, and like do wow, not do not go to sleep. Do not go thing. to sleep. Uh, get on the get picked up at five thirty. So I think I guess it got back to Seth and the people that my flight was at five thirty. Like that I had like a five a.m. flight, but that was just the time I was getting picked up. Get on the flight, 7 a.m. flight, walking by, and I hear, Taryn! And Seth's on the plane. He's like, you're a goddamn liar. I was oh. like, what? What did I lie about? What do you mean? He's like, I thought you had a 5 a.m. flight. I was like, no, that's when I'm leaving. What? I'm not a liar. Don't, you know. And he, so plane takes off. He comes back and talks to me and coach. And like, and just magical. Just just such a cool Right. And you're cool like, experience. soon and I'll like, be up front of the plane. He said to me, he's like, see, this is what 10 years on the show will get you. Business class. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Well, that's perfect. Hey, Taryn, thank you so much for coming thank and, you, and doing this. And yeah. we didn't even talk about the fact that you're a serious actor and you've now achieved all of it <laughs> because you were in the Academy Award-winning film, yeah. <laughs> uh, which we can do next time. But thank you cool. uh, for being here. This was thank great. You. Um, you can follow Taryn on, on Twitter. And honestly, uh, he's a good tweeter and very positive normally. <laughs> what uh, What's your Twitter? It's just at Taryn Killam. And I'm uh, at Brian Koppelman. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, Subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.